Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, you can have a seat online. I want to say welcome to all of our online crew today as well. In fact, church, can we welcome those watching online? Today, you are a part of our church family. In fact, we want to make sure that you are not just welcome here, that you understand you are wanted here. That's just what we believe. We want you to, by the time we're done today, to feel wanted, that you've connected with someone, that you are, in fact, more than welcome. Uh, And we are in this series where we're talking about, and this is just a two-week series. This is week two of it. So just, just relax. If you hear me say we're going to talk about money and this is your first time here, Like, I know right now you're plotting in your mind, when can I make an exit for the bathroom, And which is code for go to the parking lot. So just chill, relax, okay? This is not about getting anything from you. This is not about you giving anything. The church is fine. Like the church, we operate on on less than we bring in. You need to know that we are, are fine. It is our heart to be a generous church in this community, in our city, around the world. Like we've given away hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think we are approaching giving away a million dollars as a church. Come on, somebody, in less than 10 years. That's amazing. Right behind this wall over here, there are 2,500 pairs of brand new snow boots that are just waiting there because we have a day we're going to bless the entire Piper Burley School in November. Every kid gets free snow boots. So before you do all this, they just want my money. They just, just relax with all that, okay? This is not about you giving anything. This is about you getting something, getting a grip on our finances so that our finances don't get a grip on us so that we can really live the best life that God has for us. This is what John 10, 10 says, that the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. But my purpose, Jesus says, is that you would live a rich and satisfying life. You know, the NIV says that you would live a full life or life to the full. This is how we say it around here, that you would reach your full potential in Christ. And so we believe that the best life for us that God has for us looks like this, that we would have a rich and satisfying life, uh, our, our best life, not the Insta story version of your best life. You know how people will post, you know, you know, they're eating donuts, living my best life. Not like that kind of best life. <laughs> Unless it's mighty finds, then maybe that could be part of it. I'm, I'm down with that. But that God wants you to live a, a full life. Life And so we're zeroing in in this, this two-week series on one area of that, our finances. Because how many of you know you can't live a rich and satisfying life if you're always stressed, if you're always strapped, if you're always feeling anxious, always having more month than money. And so we can't live our, our best life. So I just want you to kind of understand this is not about us getting something from you. It's about you getting something. And so we kicked this off last week and talked about we can't get a grip unless we first change our thinking as it relates to our money. And so if you were here last week, uh, because how many of you know the, the way you think determines what you do, and what you do ultimately shapes your life. And so we gotta have a right thinking, a, a, like a blessing mindset when it comes to our money. And this series, uh, this is a great support resource, and many of you grabbed them. We had to order more uh, real quick because this is a great book by Pastor Robert Morris called The Blessed Life that will help kind of lead you further into this discussion. Do you have one of these books? Well, you do now. There you go, my friend. 
And it's a great resource. It's available to you at the hub. We'll just give them to you at our cost, however much we, we paid for them. You know, I think we'll just pass that along. But it's a great resource in this series because we talked about how you are more than you make if you were here last week. That you need to understand where your value comes from. If you constantly think your value is in your, your stuff, then you're gonna make dumb decisions to get more stuff so that you feel more valuable. And so the reality is that's not, your, your worth doesn't come from your net worth, it comes from the God who created you. Are you with me? And so that's where our value is. And then we have to understand that God is our source. Like everything that we have, God is our source. Every good gift that we have came from a loving God to us. And because of that, because we don't own it, we are managers. We're not the owners of it. And that God has given us resources, given us things to manage on this earth. By the way, not just your money, your family, your leadership, your, your influence. Like we have to manage the resources, the thing, things that God has, has given us. Because ultimately, I believe that God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. He wants you blessed in every area. He wants you blessed in the area of your, of your finance. And that's not um, a prosperity gospel, if some of you know what, what that is. I'm not saying that, you know, you give God a dollar, he'll give you 10. Or you give God $10, there'll be a Mercedes in your driveway. That's not, I'm not that preacher, all right? That's not what I'm saying. It's not send, a, you know, sow a seed of $10. I'll send you some holy water and everything will be great. That's not this. Um, but this is also not a poverty gospel. There's some bad theology out there that people believe that unless you are poor, you can't be holy, you can't be righteous. And I just think that's stupid. That's not what God's word tells us at all. God wants you blessed. So I'm a, a blessing preacher, but he wants you blessed on, on, with a purpose, with a mission. And if you don't understand the, the mission of God, the heart of God, then you don't get to get in on the blessing that he has for you because ultimately God wants you to be blessed in the area of your finances so that we said you can leave a legacy. In fact, my heart is this, that when somebody mentions your last name, they would go, oh, that person and that individual, that family, you know, that, they, they made such an impact for the kingdom of God. They were such a blessing to the kingdom. And by the way, you don't have to be Warren Buffett to do that. I think sometimes we get it in our mind that, you know, well, if I had more, I would do more. And that's, that's not reality. In fact, you can be a blessing with exactly what God has given you. Are you with me? Um, uh, uh, the beginning of this year, I started, um, I'm thinking about this and thinking about what my motivation is to, to really manage, manage well what God has given me. And that might be some of your question we're going to talk about. What is your motivation for actually managing your resources well? Um, it was probably about, I don't know, four months ago, I started religiously working out with a friend of mine. I'm like, all right, we just gotta go. We gotta go to the gym. I'll meet you there every morning, you know, five o'clock, and we're just gonna like clockwork. We're, we're gonna get there. Because before that, I would make up excuses. I don't know how many of you guys are with me. Like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. This week, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna run. This is the week. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna get out there. I just make up all kinds of excuses as to why I don't wanna get up that day, as to why I'm too tired. But how many of you know, if I'm inviting a friend to come to meet me there, it changes my motivation because I don't want to be that guy that doesn't show up. That's like, sorry, man, I just didn't want to get out of bed. So it changed everything about my thought process when it came to working out, which is, by the way, why you need to be in a small group. Like why you need an accountability person in your life in order to move forward, to advance. That's why we say get connected to people. Do, do life together with people because that's the way you move forward. 
But I was thinking about my motivation for managing my money, and we all have different motivations for it, but what could change your motivation? Some of us are, are motivated for managing it by, throw this first one up here for me, keeping up. You know, the, the motivation is I just got to keep up with the Joneses. You've heard that before. I got to keep up. I got to have the latest and greatest. And that's your motivation for managing it. Well, my, my neighbor got the new riding lawnmower with the 58-inch the deck. And mine only has a 42-inch deck. And so I got to keep up. And, and again, it's not bad that you have things. And don't hear me preach that at all. I'm going to say that over and over again so you don't leave out of this room thinking, well, pastor just wants everybody poor. That's not the goal, all right? But some of you, that's your motivation in managing your money is to, to keep up. Others of you, it's retirement. You're managing it to retire. And again, that's not a bad thing. Like you want to get to that place in life where you don't have to punch a clock every single day that hopefully you've planned well and you've prepared enough so that, you know, you don't, uh, your money outlives you kind of thing. So you have it there with you. So you manage it so that you can retire one day. And again, not a bad thing. I don't personally plan on doing it because I can't wait for the day. I'm like 65, 70 years old. I'm still going to be here, probably in a different capacity, but I want to be that old guy that walks up here, says his mind, and leaves. You know what I'm talking about? I can't wait for that day. I'm just going to come up here, drop a bomb, let everybody else deal with the, kind of the fallout. Because if I was to do it now, you just chalk it up. You know, well, he's immature. But if I do it then, you're going to be like, bless his heart. He's old. He doesn't know what he's saying. <laughs> I can't wait for that day. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be a circus. You're going to want to see that. But that's a lot of our motivation is, is get to that place of, of retirement where we can, we can retire. Um, some of it is, is fear. Maybe you're managing what God has given you out of, out of fear. The fear for, you know, that's your security, which we all know that that's not reality, that your money is not your security. Because as quickly as you can grow it, you can lose it. But you're managing it out of, out of fear. Maybe because of the way you were brought up and you didn't have a lot coming up. And so now you got a little bit and you're, you're getting ahead and you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, live like you used to live. And so you're, you're managing it out of fear. Or maybe you're worried about what, what might happen. I think the pandemic has changed a lot of how we're going to manage our money in the future. Has it not? And so we're managing it out of, out of fear. Others of us, we're managing it for vacation. That's it. That's what you're living for. Like you're managing your resources in a way so that every year you can take a week or two weeks off, go someplace and put your toes in the water. I got my toes in the water, but in the sand. Not a worry in the world cold. You should know that song. I'm testing you. That's not a Christian song. But you're managing it so you can take off and take a vacation. And again, that's not bad, all right? Retiring's not bad. Vacation, none of those are bad. Here's what I believe, though. It's just a small vision. It's a small vision that God has something better in mind. And I'm hoping by the time we're done today, you understand what God's vision is. Because here's the reality. A lot of us don't have one. 78% of the people have credit card debt. 78% of adults. That means they don't have a vision for how they're managing their money or, or how they are, are budgeting. And Proverbs tells us that's a dangerous place to be. What does it say? Where there is no what? Revelation, which is just a churchy way of saying vision. 
where you don't have a vision, people cast off restraint. And don't we see that? We'll spend more than we make. We just cast off all kind of restraint. I, I don't care that, that I can't pay for this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna charge it and get it on credit. People cast off restraint. But blessed is the one, which that's the goal. I believe God wants you blessed. Blessed is the one that heeds wisdom's instructions. You know what vision does for you? Vision gives you guardrails. Vision lets you know where you're going. It lets you know the goal. It lets you know what you will, will do to get there. It lets you know what you'll say yes to. It lets you know what you'll say, say no to. But where there's no vision, where there's no vision for our, our finances, and I propose a lot of us, we don't have a vision for it. And that's what statistics show. 78% of people carrying around thousands of dollars in credit card debt. We're, we're managing our money by logging in. You know what I'm talking about? You're logging into your bank to see if there's money there. If there's money there, then you're good to go. If there's not, then you can't spend. The nervous laughter because you know I... <laughs> Has he been watching us? Does he know? Like That's how we are managing. I'm just saying I think there's a better way. That God has a better way for us, that this is not the, the blessed life he has for us, that we're not to be stressed and filled with anxiety. We're not to be in that place where we are one pump going out on our car away from feeling like we're sinking. One dryer, you know, blowing up that we're for feeling like that, that we are in over our head. That's not God's best for us. When he says, I came to give you a rich and satisfying life, that certainly doesn't seem like rich and satisfying. Are you with me? And so what is God's way? say? What is God's vision for how we manage our, our money? Maybe we should be living for something more. Every single year, uh, we kick off the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. So as a church, here's what we believe. We just give the, the first. In fact, God's word says a lot about how we give our first to God and he blesses the rest. That's why you're here today, by the way. That's why church is on the day that it is on because this is the beginning of the week, not the end of the week. We are giving God the first of our week so that he blesses the rest. We give God the, the first of our day. If you want to seek the Lord in the morning, I think that's a great time to do it so he blesses your day. Well, as a church, we give God the first of our year. And so every January, we do a 21 days of prayer and fasting. In fact, this year is going to start on the first, actually, and end on the, the 21st. And so we're going to come together and we go over prayer requests Every August, we'll come together and pray for a week. And that's not prayer and fasting. That's prayer and feasting. Come on, somebody. We're going to eat in August. It's football time, and so we're getting ready for that. But we pray over prayer requests. Every Saturday, we have a prayer time that, that comes together here in the morning at 9 a.m., and we pray together. Do you know what the, the, the second highest prayer request is that we get about? Money about finances, and I get so frustrated by that. Not that I'm frustrated at your prayer requests. I get so frustrated that the enemy has you stuck. The enemy has us blinded. The enemy has us feeling like this is the way, this is, this is, is normal. I'm just so frustrated when it doesn't have to be that way. When God's word says that that's not his attention for us, that it says the borrower is slave to the lender. And we're not supposed to feel this way with, with guilt and shame and making bad decisions. It's just a cycle that leads to more guilt and shame. And because I feel ashamed, I won't talk to anybody about it. That's where some of you are. I won't talk to anybody about that. That's personal. That's private because we feel guilty. 
And because I feel guilty, I won't get the help that I need. I won't find freedom in this area of my life. And the enemy's lying to you saying, well, this is normal. This is how everybody's living. Everybody has credit card debt. This is, this is normal. Can I tell you something? If that's normal, stress and anxiety and worry all the time, I wanna be abnormal. Anybody else? Come on, let's be different. And let's just do it according to what God's word says about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because I want margin. I want freedom in this area. Uh, we looked at this last week. Let me give you a little bit of a different perspective on it. It says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. All right? This is the, the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. You know, if you only sow a little, you're going to get a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to get a lot. But the one who plants generously, they're going to get a generous crop. Verse 7 says this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And here's how, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. This is the wrong thing for you to do today, is to leave here feeling guilty about giving. Please hear me, That's, this is not about that at all. Because ultimately, here's what God wants anyway, you to give cheerfully. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And then this next verse, I believe, is the vision that God has for us. God will generously provide how much? All you need. And then you're going to always have everything that you need. And what? Plenty left over to share with others. I believe that's God's vision for us. That's the, the best life, that we would have all that we need and plenty left over to share. All that we need and plenty left over not to be greedy with, not to keep up with the Joneses with, not to just go on, you know, vacations with. And again, nothing against vacations. Let's go. Let me know when we go. Let's go. But it's not for that. It's to share with others. Now, we are not a church that builds a doctrine off of one verse, all right? So this, this would be called proof texting if I was to do that. So let's look at another verse. Paul even kind of uh, restates this a little further down in verse 11. He says this, that you will be made. What's that word? Now, for some of you, as soon as you read that, you push back. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that in the Bible? That God, God wants me to be rich? Yeah. This is God's word. This is not prosperity gospel. This is God's word. He wants you to be rich in every way. Every way. So not just your money. Every way so that you can be generous in every way. That's his reason for making us Rich, such generosity then produces thanksgiving to God through us. So he wants you to make, make you rich in every way. So listen, if you are rich in a healthy marriage, you know what that means? You should be sharing with other people the, the things that you've learned in order for your marriage to be healthy and thriving, right? So that you can share, be generous in every way. Are you with me? If you're rich in ideas, well, then you should be sharing those ideas with people. If you're rich in hospitality, in loving people, caring for people, man, then you should be sharing that, you know, in every way. You should be sharing that with others. However, it can't just mean all those things and exclude our money. When the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is all about our money. Are you with me? That we are going to be made rich in every way so that we'll be generous in every way. And what happens when you are generous that way? Man, people see that, and people glorify God because of it. That that rich generosity that you have produces thanksgiving in other people. This is God's vision for our life. That we would be uh, 
live a life of generosity, live a life that makes a difference. And the issue for many of us is not that we don't have enough, it's that we don't manage well enough what we have. Because I know as soon as we read this, some of you are like, well, this message isn't for me because I'm not rich. I know that's what you're thinking. But how many of you know rich is a moving target? It's a moving target. The Gallup um, organization, they did a survey where they asked thousands of people, they said, how much money would you have to make in order to consider yourself rich? And the response was, on average, it was $150,000 per household a year. And they got that back, and they're like, well, that's, that's kind of more than what we thought. So they broke it down a little bit, and they asked people who made between thirty dollars and $40,000 a year, how much would you need to make in order for you to be rich? And they came back and said $75,000 a year. They would need seventy-five, and then they would be, be rich. And then they asked a group of people that subscribed to Money Magazine, which I guess is a magazine for people who got a lot of money so they can talk more about their money. I don't know. I never subscribed to it. But do you know what they said would make them rich? How much? $5 million a year. So they came to the conclusion that nobody's rich. Nobody's rich, right? But everybody knows somebody that's rich. Listen, rich is a moving target. In fact, here's a little bit of a wake-up call for you. If you make as a household $44,000 a year or more, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Hey, can I tell you, you've arrived. Call home, call your mama, tell her, I've arrived, all right? I'm rich. It is a, a moving target. The reason we don't feel like we are or don't put ourselves in that category is not that we don't have enough. It's because we haven't managed well enough what we have. When God says he wants all your needs to be met and that you would have plenty left over to share with others, to make a difference for other people, to, to care for the poor, to help those who are, are hurting, to provide for the needs of people, to reach out when you can. But where there's no vision for it, where there's no vision, we end up in this cycle of bad decision, regret. Regret leads us to make another bad decision, which leads us to, to shame, which leads us to waiting for you know, another stimulus check, another round of stimulus. Well, that's going to help me keep my head above water. Or, you know, when April comes, then maybe I can dig myself out of the hole that I got myself into, which, by the way, is the exact same thing you said last April and the April before that. Come on, somebody, and the April before that. Maybe we just need to try it God's way. Maybe we need to understand what God says about it and consider doing it his way. And here's what I, I believe about everybody in this room or watching online, whether you would say it this way or not. We all want this. Like, I believe that. I believe that ultimately we would all want to be in that place where we, we feel uh, like we're living a rich and satisfying life, where we feel like all of our needs are met and that we have margin left over to share. I don't think anybody in this room is saying, nah, I don't want to help anybody. Okay, jerk face, if that's you, fine. <laughs> I don't believe that. I really don't believe that. I think we would all love to be in this, this place. However, here's what I also believe, and here's why I will always preach one to three. Um, I will always, uh, let me just say this, I will always preach on how to manage what we have before preaching how to be a giver of what we have. Like, I'll do it three more times. Every time I preach on tithing, which, by the way, I should, 
right? If I'm going to be a good pastor, I'm going to preach, you know, all of God's word to us. I should talk about tithing. The Bible talks about tithing. But every time I do, I'm going to tell you three times more how to manage what you've been given. Otherwise, I feel like I just frustrate you. Because you're like, man, Colby, I would love to be in that place. I would love to be able to to give and to tithe and to put God first. But I just feel like, you know, there is no room. Can we be honest? Does anybody feel that way? Like there is no room. Where is this coming from? And so I feel like today I just need to teach us how do we dig out of this hole? How do we get unstuck how do we fight against the lie of the enemy that says this is normal and this is the way we should, should live when God does not want us to live this way? I'm going to give you four things real quick on how to get a grip. How to get a grip and live the, the vision, the, the, the life of generosity that God has for us. Number one, write this down. you got to face the facts. Face the facts. Face the music. Get a grip on reality. Psalm 51, 5 says this. This is a facing the facts moment. It says, you have all the facts before you. And you should know this. God has all the facts before him. He knows everything. There's nothing that you've done, nothing that you can do that we can hide from him. He's seen it all. He knows it all. And he says, whatever you decide about me is fair because I have been out of step with you for a long time. Anybody feel that way today? That you've been out of step God, I know I haven't done it the way you want me to do it. I know I haven't managed things well. I feel like I've been out of step with you for a long time. This is a facing the facts kind of moment. Look at Romans 4.19. It says, without weakening his faith. This is Paul talking about Abraham of the Old Testament. Father Abraham had many sons. How many sons have father? If you know that song. That's this guy. He says, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah, his wife, her womb was also dead. Now you might be thinking like, what does this have to do with anything? Uh, Quick story, God came to Abraham, said, Abraham, you're gonna be the father of a nation. In fact, your offspring are gonna outnumber the sands on the seashore. They're gonna outnumber the, the stars on the sky. And Abraham's like, but I'm old. I'm old. My wife is old. And this is, this is pre-Viagra days. This is pre-Cialis days, all right? So he's like, I don't even know how any of this is going to happen. But he faced the facts. He faced the reality of how old he was. And then look what it says in verse 20. Yet he didn't waver. That didn't cause him to, to not believe. He didn't waver through unbelief regarding this promise of God, of God but was what? Strengthened in his faith all the more. He faced the fact, but he did not lose faith. See, the wrong thing to do today, again, would be for you to face the fact and for you to leave here going, well, I'm out of luck. I can't, there's never going to be any hope for me. I'm never going to get out of this, this hole that I am in. That's the wrong thing for you to do. I want you to face the fact, but not lose faith. Right? Let it cause you to strengthen your faith. Don't lose heart. Don't lose, lose faith. Don't, you know, be, don't lose your belief. But you got to face the facts. Some of you got to face the facts. Where's it all going? Where's it going? Why, why don't I have more at the, the end of the month? When Kristen and I first got married, um, like I was working at SeaWorld full, full time for nine bucks an hour, training the animals. All right, that's all they paid because they're like, 
you want to work with animals? We'll pay you nothing. And I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. And she was in school, all right? So we were, we were paying for school, and this was our reality. I mean, we literally were scraping, like, pennies together. I remember digging through seat cushions, digging through the car, looking for change so we could walk up to this little corner, like, grocery store thing and buy a box of brownies so we could come home and, you know, eat brownies together. And it was some of the best years of our life when we look back on them. But then she graduated, and she got her degree in accounting, and she's a, a CPA, and so now we're, we're both work, working, and we were dinks. You know what a dink is? Dual income, no kids. What a glorious season. <laughs> Praise be to God. You remember those times? Dual income, no kids. No one was on the payroll. Like, we didn't have to buy shoes every three months because, you know, their feet weren't growing all the time. It was a great season. We were in Orlando, like Florida. I was at SeaWorld. She was at Marriott. We would take trips, vacation. we just go out to eat. We went to Smoky Bones all the time, got some of those donuts there. I'm just, I like donuts, all right? Just pray for me. But we got to that place where Kristen's like, enough, enough. Like, this is crazy. We should have more left over at the end of the month than, than what we have. And I joked about, you know, logging on, doing our banking by logging on. Well, back then you couldn't log on. We had to drive to an ATM and check our balance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you check your balance. And if there was money in there, you could go get pizza. If there wasn't, you're eating ramen. That's kind of how it works for us. Just check our balance. And we're like, enough is enough. And so she came and she started tracking it. Like every last penny. She's just tracking, tracking it, tracking it. By the way, she still does today. Like, I can't buy anything that she doesn't know about. I'll, I could leave here, go to the gas station, get some gum. When I walk in, she'll be like, what did you spend $1.79 on? Like, seriously, I'm not even kidding about that. Just tracking it, tracking it, tracking it. We realized in like two weeks, we spent like $300 just on out-to-eat stuff. And we're like, this, is, this has got to stop. So we had to get to that place where we faced the facts. We had to just face what we were doing. And realize where it was going. And I had this, this realization in those days. This is about 15 years ago where God was like, you know what? Why on earth would I give you more if you are wasting what I've already given you? Amen. Hey, face the facts. Don't lose faith, but face the facts. In fact, some of, one of the most spiritual things some of you could do today is go home and start tracking it. Track it. Where's it going? For the next month, put a name to it. Where is it, is it going? Some of you are going to have to face the facts of why on earth would I put a vehicle on a seven-year term? You're going to face the facts. And again, I'm not, I don't think God minds what kind of car you drive. This is not about that. Buy the car. Do whatever. But if it keeps you from having margin and peace and being able to be generous and sharing with others, are you with me? you got to face, face the facts. Number two, write this down. Create a plan. Well, that seems kind of elementary. Well, if you were doing it, I wouldn't have to say it. <laughs> it's true. I know this is simple. I'm not, like, I'm great at pointing out the obvious. That's what I do, all right? This is simple. But create a plan. Proverbs 16, 3 says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. So if you're going to commit a plan to the Lord, obviously there's a plan that you've created in order to commit 
to the Lord. Look at Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? In other words, we could say this. If you really want to live God's vision for your life, if you really want to live a life of generosity where you're rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way, would you not sit down and create a plan to do that in order to be a blessing? That God has blessed us so that we can bless others. Wouldn't we create a plan? One of the first things Kristen and I did when we decided enough was enough after tracking it was to create a plan. And at the top of our plan, and this is just how we roll, I would never preach anything to you that I was willing to not do myself, is, was our tithes and offerings. That's at the top of it. That's what her parents taught her. That's what my parents taught me. And we just believe if you give God your first and best, that he'll bless the rest of it. Tithe simply means 10. It's a tenth, 10% of whatever comes in. And we've just been doing that and living by that principle. All right. Again, this is not about giving. I'm just telling you, here's our plan. And so we just gave God our first and our best. And I really think he cares more about the order than he does the amount. Because the Bible says whatever is given first is blessed. And so we give, we just give. And then we decide we need to save, right? We need to make sure that we had money for a, a rainy day. But how many of you know, rainy day fund doesn't just appear in your account. It's not like you, you know, log in or check the ATM. It's like, oh, there's money in there. Praise the Lord. That's not how it works. You have to save. And initially, all we could save was 25 bucks a month. That was it. And how many of you know, after four months, and you look at your account and see what you have in there, and it looks like a hundred bucks, that's like, wow, this is amazing, right? This is awesome that we're working so hard, but you stick to it. And eventually you can save a little more and a little more and 15 years plus later, here we are, we have three to six months of expenses, but it didn't happen overnight, all right? It can't, it won't happen overnight, but it cannot happen without a plan either. You have to create a plan, a plan, and we still live by the plan. In fact, my wife pulls out that spreadsheet probably nearly every day to go over the plan and make sure we're still on track. We work it. We, we live by it. In fact, write this down. Write down the app, Every Dollar. If you were to start today, this is a great app for you to go download. Dave Ramsey you know, promotes this app on his website. In fact, just go to DaveRamsey.com. And he has a lot of tools on there for how to build uh, wealth and, and how to manage what God has, has given you. Uh, again, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to give you something, give you some resources so that you can get a grip. Because here's my heart, really, ultimately. I have, I have just a couple more. Here's my heart, though, is that this January, we have half as many prayer requests about finances. Not because I'm tired of praying for them, but because you've gotten a breakthrough in this area. Are you with me? Like, that's the goal, that you would get a breakthrough. All right, number three, put the plan into practice. It's as easy as that. You got to execute on it. You will never do tomorrow, right, what you put off to today because tomorrow you're going to put it off till the next day. It just never happens. God's word says it this way in John 13, 17. If you know these things, if you know what God wants, if you know the vision that he has for your, for your life, you're blessed, which is the goal. Happy, favored by God. And that's, I don't know anybody that doesn't want that. If you put them into what? Practice. If you do it, if you faithfully do them, well, well Colby, it's going to be difficult to, to face the facts. It's going to be depressing. Well, it might be for a minute, but you have to, you got to determine I'm going to face the facts and not lose faith. And can I tell you something? The, your income amount doesn't matter in this. 
And I have, I've had people tell me, you know, Colby, before I started coming to this church, I was making great money. I have a friend who was making well over $150,000 a year, well over that. And he told me he was living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm like, you are out of your mind. Living paycheck to paycheck. But then he decided to do it God's way and put it under the blessing of God by giving God first and returning to God what God had blessed him with. And to this day, he will tell you it's, it's changed everything. Now he is generous, able to share on every occasion kind of thing. So the, the amount doesn't matter. You can make six figures and still be living month to month. That's my point. And so you got to create a plan and then you have to execute on that, that plan. I just want us to get to the end of our life and not look at God and he say, what did you do with what I gave you? And our response is, well, I went to the beach for a week. Well, I, I, I retired, right? There's just more than that, more than what uh, he has for us. Here's the last one I'll give you. So you got to uh, have a plan, put it into practice. And then finally, for any of this to work, you have to humble yourself. And I'll close with this. Come on, band, help me. Um, this is the most difficult part of all. Because again, here's what I realized. I haven't told you anything you don't know. Like chances are we all understand this. Chances are we all have, have heard this before. But it takes humility to actually do it. First Peter 5, 6 says this, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. He will. Not you. Not by the amount that you work and make and whatever. That's not going to lift you up. In fact, let me ask you this. Who do you think can do a better job of lifting you up to a place of honor? You or the God who created you? It says he will lift you up to a place of honor if you humble yourself. It takes humility, does it not, to say, God, I have not managed it your way. God, I spend, I spend money like it's going out of style. God, I'm, I'm, I don't know where it's going. It takes humility to say that. It takes humility to say, God, I, I'm just, I'm wasting time. And not only am I, I wasting, I'm wasting time on, on Clash of Clans, but I also bought the coin pack for $49.95. Seriously. But that's true. And it takes humility to say that. But when we humble ourselves, God, God will lift us up. I tell you all this because here's what I fully believe. That if Kristen and I hadn't gotten to that place 15 years ago where we humbled ourselves and said enough, enough. See, your, your personal management is about way more than just your personal management. It's not just about how it impacts you. Again, this is not just so you can be rich and you can be well off. This is about how that impacts the world around you. And if Kristen and I had never gotten to that place where we would say, all right, God, enough is enough. We're humbling ourselves before you. Here's all that we have. We wanna do it your way and trust him with what we had then, can I tell you something? There is no way he would have trusted us with what we have here today. There's no way. So let's do this. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. And in this moment, just ask God this question. 
In fact, we'll ask him a couple questions. I believe he's a speaking God, and I believe that, that if we seek him, we'll find him. That's what the Bible says. Just say, God, what is it you're saying to me about how I manage what you've given me? Just right now ask him. What is it you're speaking to me? What is it that you, you could do through me if I manage it and I handle it and I submit it according to what your word says? Or a better question, what is it that you want to do through me? And then this is one question for you. So what are you gonna do about it? Because it takes humility to say we need help. God, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for those watching online today, God, that we want to, we all wanna live this way. We wanna be generous. We wanna have all of our needs met and plenty left over so that we can have margin and, and able to share. I mean, how awesome a church that, that sees a need and meets a need. How awesome a, a group of people that see a need and meet a need. And so God, I just pray that you would, would bless us so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. But I know it starts with individuals. I know it starts with us getting this right, God, us understanding what your heart is for our stuff. I think it's one of the greatest tests that we have to show that you are first in our life. And so God, today we come before you and ask you, what is it that you wanna do in our hearts? And what am I gonna do today to take another step? And while we're praying, every head bowed, every eye closed, there are some of you in this room or watching online that the most important thing you could do today is to humble yourself and realize that you've been missing the mark, not just in this area, but perhaps in many areas in your, your life. And the Bible says that while we were missing the mark, while we were still messing up, getting it wrong, that Christ died for our sins, our mess, and if we would humble ourselves and believe that he saves us from our sins and acknowledge that we are needing a savior, then we confess him as Lord and we would be saved. And for many of us, the process to, to freedom in all areas of our life begins with first knowing Jesus as Lord and savior. And the reality is you haven't done that yet. And today is your day to cross the line of faith, to put your trust in Jesus. And the moment you do, the Bible says, he takes the old away and he brings in uh, all the new. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your, your life and empowers you to live a, a full life, to live a rich and satisfying life, not just to have eternity one day secure in heaven, but to have a rich, satisfying life here today. That could be why you are here today or while you're watching online. And I wanna lead you in a prayer that does that. You pray after me, you can repeat these words or, or use your own. The most important part is that you believe it. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised his son from the dead and you confess him as Lord, you'll be saved. Let's do that now. Jesus today, repeat after me. Jesus today, I give you my life. I humble myself. I repent from my sin. I know you saved me and set me free. 
through your sacrifice. I confess you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.